Welcome to Combos with Cam, a podcast from the heart of a 40-ish black native Oakland woman just out here trying to function. It's like your Saturday morning chat with your favorite cousin or your cool aunt, talking about everything and nothing while navigating through the circle of life. From adult friendships to caring for aging parents to the things that aren't always discussed, but maybe should be. Let's talk about it and grow through it together. Hey, 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 what's good, Cam fam? I know, I know, I know. It's been a minute. And honestly, the panini outside didn't make it any better. Um, I've been out here working and working some more and working some more. And then trying to honor commitments, trying to take care of myself, trying to support others. It's just a lot on my plate and I have not done what I needed to in terms of managing my time to give time to this because this is important for a bunch of reasons. But um, I have something in the works that I think is going to help me do better about managing my time, particularly as it relates to combos with Cam, because I think it's really important. Plus, I got some new equipment for all the Apple folks in the room. Um, I got an iPad, so hopefully the iPad will help with um, production, if you will. But um, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to y'all for sticking with me while I'm trying to navigate through this thing um your patience is appreciated and hopefully will be rewarded um through some amazing content and some amazing stories and some amazing lessons uh to be shared and learned um this particular episode is going to talk about something that's taken me a long time to kind of talk about Um, it's going to talk about my journey to motherhood. Let me put out a disclaimer, a trigger warning that it's going to talk about, um, pregnancy. It's going to talk about miscarriage and it's going to talk about abortion. I understand that these are very, very sensitive and very delicate topics obviously, as it's taken me a long time to even talk about them myself. Um, So listen as you have space and energy to um, whenever, however that looks like. But that being said, let's get into it. Um, This episode is going to talk about my bereaved Mother's Day. So then you might ask the question, well, what is Mother's Day or what is Bereaved Mother's Day? Well, Bereaved Mother's Day started and I use started in air quotes um, in 2010 by a woman named Carly Marie Dudley after the loss of her son, Christian. It is observed on the first Sunday in May. I first learned about Bereaved Mother's Day from a dynamic woman, preacher, and sore of mine by the name of LaVon Proverbs Briggs. You can find her on the IG at LaVon Briggs. 
Um, she's doing some amazing work around um, healing and rework and recovering from trauma and just really embracing your true self. But when I think about Bereaved Mother's Day and how it started in 2010, I'm like, but wait a minute. My story starts back in the 20th century. My story starts in 1999. But before we get into the nooks and crannies of my story, let's talk about the definition of a mother. Wikipedia defines a mother as the female parent of a child. Mothers are women who inhabit or perform the role of bearing some relation to that of their children who may or may not be their biological offspring. Webster's Dictionary has multiple definitions of motherhood, including but not limited to mother as a noun, which means a female parent, a woman of authority, a superior of a religious community of women, think of Mother Teresa, an old or an elderly woman, the source or an origin, maternal tenderness or affection, or something that is an extreme or ultimate example of something of its kind, especially in terms of scale. When you think of the mother of blah, 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 or the mother of this, or the mother of all solar systems, or the mother of all cakes, or something like that, you you get the idea. Mother is also an adjective, meaning of relating to or being a mother, bearing relation of a mother. Side note, I was taught that you can't use the word in the definition of the word, but I digress. Um, It's also defined as an adjective as being derived from or as if from one's mother or acting as or providing paternal parental, excuse me, parental, not paternal, because that's a whole different thing. Um, Parental stock. And that's to be used um, without reference to sex. Mother is also a verb, which means to give birth to, to rise or to produce or to care for or protect like a mother. So those are some of the definitions of motherhood or of mother, not necessarily motherhood. So we've talked briefly about what Bereaved Mother's Day is. We've talked briefly about the different definitions of what a mother is. So let's get into my story about my journey to invisible motherhood and being a bereaved mother. It goes back to 1999. I was a sophomore in undergrad and I met this guy as it usually happens. And, um, my college room, my college roommate and I ended up Uh, getting pregnant at the same time. This was over the summer, so I'd probably say it was around June or July of 99. And I had 
in terms of my biology, my cycles have been so regular that I never missed a cycle. Even when I was super active in sports, I never missed a cycle. I would get more than one in a month, but I would never miss one. Um, so, and I was never late. Like you could almost set an egg timer to when my period was going to come. My cycle happens to this day, like every 26 days. I don't even get a full month, which is a whole another topic. But in summer of 99, I noticed that, you know, I was a little late and I was like, huh, what's going on here? And I remember by the time I got what I thought was my period, um, I now know was the beginning of my miscarriage. Um, I remember me and my boyfriend at the time making our way to um, the ER and sitting in the ER, you know, waiting to be seen by a doctor. And I remember having this um, very strong urge to kind of go to the bathroom. I was, the, the cramps and the pain that I was feeling was, you know, completely, completely unbearable. And I thought, you know, I was just going to the bathroom to actually just use the bathroom. It turns out that, you know, while we were in the waiting room, I go to the bathroom and I actively have my miscarriage in the bathroom of the ER. And I remember all of the pain that I was feeling, all of the discomfort that I was feeling after going to the bathroom. I remember it all, you know, going away. Eventually, we were seen by the attending physician. My um, blood levels were still elevated, showing signs of pregnancy, um, even though I had just miscarried. And I remember being very all over the place, you know, just thinking about or not even thinking about because I couldn't really fully process what was going on at that time. And so, but I remember thinking about what it meant to be pregnant and then what it meant to not be pregnant. Um, Essentially in learning that information at the same time. Um, The miscarriage did tremendous things. Um, to my relationship and not necessarily in a good way. Um, it actually began to shift things in our relationship, um, for the worse. And it was something that he and I never really recovered from. But remember at the beginning of the story, I said me and my college roommate were pregnant at the same time. Turns out that my college roommate goes to full term and she would go on to deliver the most beautiful baby girl ever. 
And that baby girl became my goddaughter. That goddaughter turned 21 in March. And I'm still having a hard time kind of wrapping my head around the fact that one, I have a 21 year old goddaughter, but two, who my goddaughter is and what she represents and in a different universe, I would have a 21 year old. And it's like, well, how can I have a 21 year old when I'm only 27? Because, you know, something about that math just doesn't add up. There are a lot of parts of me that never really recovered from my miscarriage because there, at the time, there weren't a lot of people who knew and there weren't a lot of people that I could trust to have those conversations with around my miscarriage. So when I say people, I mean the adults or the grownups. So um, nobody in my family at the time really knew about the miscarriage. Um, a couple of my classmates and, you know, some of my peers in undergrad knew, but I never really sought, you know, mental help around it. Again, it caused a tremendous shift in my relationship with my boyfriend at the time. And we eventually ended up breaking up. And part of that, part of the reason why we broke up is because he blamed himself. He says that he blames himself for the miscarriage. But another reason why we ended up breaking up is because few months later after my goddaughter was born he had a baby with somebody else yeah it's kind of been a tough pill to swallow but we're not really talking about that right now um and it's just been very very tough and the boyfriend at the time that I had been pregnant by was supposed to be my goddaughter's godfather um which again completely different topic but at the same time you know all of these things related to me and my roommate at the time being pregnant at the same time you know it was a lot it was a lot and there was a lot of grief and the, a lot of questions that I had that never really seemed to get answered about well why why me with the miscarriage? Why not me being able to give birth? Another one of my friends while I was in undergrad um, also became pregnant. I want to say this was probably, mm, I think it was fall of 99. I wouldn't say that it was like fall of 2000. I want to say it was like fall of 99. Um, her and her boyfriend who would eventually become her husband, they got pregnant and she gave birth um, prematurely and her son died. And I remember being at the service for him and feeling so much pain and, and so much grief, not only for her, but also for me, because I still hadn't taken the time to fully grieve my situation, to work to heal from my situation and here I am trying to show support for one of my friends who was going through 
a very similar situation. And it was really, really tough. Um, I think at the time when she invited me to the service, she might have known that I had miscarried. But again, it, it was still not something that I really talked about because I didn't know who I could talk to about that sort of thing, which stems from um, a lot of misinformation or bad communication around uh, pregnancy and birth and and things of of that sort. But, you know, I, I didn't really have anybody that I could talk to about that. And, but with her having gone through the situation, I felt like she was at least somebody that I could talk to in my peer group versus seeking some counsel from somebody else. Um, and I remember sometime later, she and I having the conversation and we, you know, talking about, you know, the miscarriage and different things like that. And she said something to me that stuck with me as it related to being a mother. She said, essentially, once you have become pregnant and you've held life in your womb, you are a mom. Now, I I don't want you to take that as a pro-life or pro-choice comment. Um, but cause that's, that's not its intention. It's just talking about once you've had that experience, you've had that experience and nobody can take that away from you or declassify you as a mother because of X, Y, and Z. So my friend's words stuck with me for years and years. And over the years, I've had, you know, plenty of girlfriends from undergrad, high school, um, graduate school, and, you know, all of life in between who have gone on and become parents and continue to become parents. And some have even become grandparents. Remember, I'm only 27. So, you know, we got some new age grandparents in the mix. Just saying. Just kidding. Um, But over the years, I watched my godbaby grow up. And, you know, I was there for her first birthday. And I was there for her second birthday. And I was always trying to pour into her in ways that weren't necessarily poured into me when I was growing up but I also took my responsibility as her godmother very very seriously um you know I was always trying to build and maintain a strong relationship with her and her mother obviously um particularly when our distances grew further apart I stayed in DC her mother relocated back to Southern California and then eventually um wound up in Houston, Texas, um, where she has settled and, you know, stabilized. And I remember thinking as my God baby was getting older, should I tell her about 
my journey to becoming her godmother and how I got there and what that what that looked like and and how did it happen and I talked about it with her mother and we agreed that over time we would tell her in age-appropriate ways you know how that happened with the story coming to you know most age-appropriate discussion when she was getting ready to graduate from high school and you know we told her that you know your mom and I were pregnant at the same time I had a miscarriage your mom had you um and that is how our relationship came to be and I don't regret telling her that story because I think it's important for her to know how why it became a thing um And I just think that as she is navigating through her own life, if she chooses to become a mother and she chooses to um, identify somebody as godparents, knowing really who they are and why they're in your life is important when you're selecting the role of being a godparent. But in terms of how I showed up for her over the course of her life. It might be safe to say that I poured into her a little bit more because of what she represented to me. Um, She represented the possibility of having a child at this age. Um, And there were days when I was, you know, great with it. And there were days when I wasn't, you know, great with it. Um, But ultimately, I really wanted her to know and to understand that um, she was loved and she was respected and she was trusted. Um, I never, ever resented my goddaughter um, because I know she didn't, you know, have a choice, have a say, have any input in the process. But. I could see and I could understand if there are some people who would kind of take that stance, even if it's initially about how um, the baby comes to life. Um, and as much as I say that I didn't resent her and I, and to this day, I don't, I don't resent her mom either. Um, her mom had more of a choice in the situation um, and her mom chose the path that she chose. And me being her friend, it was important for me to support her as much as I could um, on that journey. But at the same time, I still ask the question, well, why not me? Why couldn't I have my baby? And that question stuck with me for quite some time, which leads me to, um, my, the second time that I got pregnant in 2002, I'm getting ready to graduate and I am in a relationship that I 
really shouldn't be in. Again, separate topic for a separate day. And over the course of that relationship, I share with this particular boyfriend that, you know, I'm concerned, I'm worried that, you know, I'll never be able to have kids or, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to get pregnant. Um, and so he kind of deals with that and not necessarily the most healthy way. I'll just say it that way. Um, and so shortly after graduation, what happens? I get pregnant and it's like on one hand it's kind of like yay I'm pregnant but it was never like this is the the pregnancy that I I wanted or this is the way that it was supposed to happen so yes I had just finished you know undergrad but I hadn't gotten my real air quotes real post-graduation job yet I was still interning at the Department of Education my best friend and I had just moved into Maryland this wasn't really the time or the situation for me and this guy to try and do this thing and This time, after this particular pregnancy, I decide to reach out to my older sister. And I tell her bits and pieces of the story about, you know, me being pregnant. And, you know, I kind of ask her for her advice. And she gives me some advice as as best as she can. Um... Because ultimately, people are going to do what they're going to do. But I want to say that with this particular situation, she is the only adult that I've had the conversation with. I don't really have the conversation with my parents or any of my other aunts or my grandmother or anything like that. And so ultimately... I decide that I was going to go to the clinic and have an abortion. And we get there and, you know, I'm nervous and I get up to go to the bathroom. It's always a trip to the bathroom and I'm feeling lightheaded and I faint right there in in the waiting room. And I almost hit my head and I'm, you know, so embarrassed. And I kind of chalk it up to, nope, we're not doing this. I'm, I'm not ready to do this. Let's, let's just go home. And initially I kind of settle on the fact that, okay, that, that was my sign. You know, I'm, I'm, we fin- we, we going to figure out a way to do this. But maybe a couple of weeks later. I end up going to church with a girlfriend of mine and ultimately I 
hear from above that this isn't necessarily um, the time for me to do this. So I make an appointment to go back to the clinic and I have an abortion. I don't really deal with, so in terms of the physical parts of the abortion, I, I do okay. I went in, went under the anesthesia, came out, went home, had some, had some bleeding, had some spotting. Um, it was suggested and I followed the suggestion to, uh, get on the pill which I did and, um, you know, follow up in, you know, a few days if, you know, there's any more bleeding or any more cramping, but otherwise should be good to go physically. Emotionally, I'm much better about this particular trip than I was about the first trip or about the the first trip to the clinic, but also about the miscarriage because I feel like I had a little bit more um, say and input into the process. And so, you know, that happened. I got my post-graduation job, moved to Connecticut and began to live life happily ever after, except I didn't. And in 20, 2005, I, leave Connecticut and come back home to California and coming home was great in a lot of ways, but it was also, you know, challenging in a lot of ways because it feels like around 2005, maybe, maybe 2006, 2007, it felt like I was, you know, being surrounded by babies. Like so many people around me were having babies. My younger brother had just had a baby and other folks, you know, at church and at work, you know, it was like babies were popping up everywhere. I remember at work, there were three people on my floor who were pregnant at the same time. And I was like, "Woo, it's really babies everywhere. And, you know, you're going to baby showers and you're celebrating little babies. And I remember at church, there were like five or six babies born in one year. And you're, and you're seeing all these babies and you see the little kids performing at Easter and you see them performing at Mother's Day and you see them performing at Christmas And then you begin to remember and you begin to miss the babies that you don't have. And some days are great. Some Sundays you're just like, oh, look at the little babies. They're so cute. And then other days, other Sundays, you're at church and you're boohooing in the choir stand. And you, you're not really talking about why, because again, you've never really had the conversations about what it, what it, 
feels like or what it felt like to have held life and to not see that life represented in front of you. And then there was the question of that I had almost 10 years ago now that I wondered if me having either one of my babies would have helped save my father's life. My father died at 67 and he had three grandkids at the time. He had my older sister's kids, even though my older sister is not biologically his daughter, he loved her um, and treated her as, as his own and loved his kids, loved their kids as, you know, his own grandkids. And then my brother had my niece. But if you're doing the math and if you're paying attention to the timelines, my kid or kids would have been just a little bit older than my, my, at the time, youngest niece. And we all know, or we've all been exposed to, I, I think is a little bit fair to say, how grandparents love to spoil their grandbabies. And as I was my dad's firstborn, there's a part of me that believes that the love that he poured into me, he would have 1000% poured into my kids. And I would have loved the opportunity for my dad to have been a grandfather to my kids. So there's a part of me that struggles with whether or not um, me having kids would have saved my dad's life. And I don't know the answer to that. You know, the rational side of me, the intellectual side of me says yes. No, the emotional side of me definitely says yes. The rational side of me, the logical side of me, isn't really sure. But what I do know is that my kids greeted their grandfather when he got to the other side, when he died in 2012. And it's, you know, it's a a very, very interesting journey to go back and forth. And when you're meeting people and as you continue to get older and you're of a certain age, there are people that expect you, oh, well, you don't have any kids? Like, well, well, why not? Well, what's wrong with you? Or what's going on? Not really realizing that, you know, that could be really, really triggering, rude, and just hurtful. And there are some people I don't think that they mean it that way. Um, even though it can come across or present that way. And I've recently had the conversation with some guys that are like, you know, you, 
you're in your late 30s, you're in your early 40s, and you don't have no kids, you you don't want no kids, like, what's going on? And it's like, and I remember having the conversation recently, and it was like, well, you don't have any kids? And I was like, mm, no. But one of the things that I kind of said was, well, you know, it wasn't for a lack of trying. And I don't think he fully grasped what I was saying. And I also don't think that he understood how his questions kind of made me feel. And I know that he wasn't he wasn't asking them in a rude way, but I don't think people really take into stock and take into consideration how the question of motherhood, particularly for, you know, women of a certain age and women who have had challenges with motherhood or who have made the choice to opt out of motherhood, what that kind of means to them and what that means for them. Um, And again, you know, it's not necessarily hurtful, but I just want people to be a little bit more thoughtful when they are asking those questions and, and doing those kind of doing that kind of investigation over the years. I've learned so much about pregnancy and childbirth and motherhood, um, especially as it relates to black women. And I know that, you know, my situation and my stories aren't unique, which is comforting and can hopefully be a comfort to others who find themselves on a similar path. I trust that if it is in the plan for me to um, give birth and raise a child or children, then I will. Um, And if it's not, I will continue to um, pour into those who are mine by community and not mine by birth. As is life, pandemic and all, you you gotta you gotta find ways to um, roll with the punches. Sometimes you're you're gonna get hit with a gut check. Sometimes you gotta know to bob and weave. Sometimes you get knocked down. Sometimes you're the one knocking them down. But with every punch thrown, there is a lesson. And sometimes you connect and sometimes you don't. But there's always going to be a lesson for the next move. I'm continuing to learn that I'm not alone on this journey to and through motherhood. And no matter the path or the outcome, I... No, I believe and I trust that I have what I need to make it. So in closing, I want to say to the silent, grieving, invisible mothers that you are seen and that you are loved, that your stories 
are important and I would encourage you to tell them when you are ready to not feel shame. All of your feelings are valid, but I would encourage you not to feel shame. I would empower you to know that you are doing the best that you can at navigating this life with with what you have and to step out of the shadows when you're ready and know that you are loved, you are seen, you are valued, and you are treasured. Thanks. Thanks for checking out this episode of Combos with Cam. Share your thoughts and reflections on today's episode on Instagram or the Twitter at Combos with Cam, hashtag Combos with Cam. Or you can shoot me an email at comboswithcam at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Let's chat soon.